Hi, John. Hi, Russell. How are you? Uh, <clears throat> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm sick again. I, I don't yet have. I'm fighting something. I don't have. I don't have tons of congestion and a and a weird voice now. Maybe maybe next week. It's come back. It's returned. I think it's a different thing. Hmm. Are most of these sicknesses as a result of having a young child in the house, or did you used to get this sick before? No, no. I think this is the result of having a kid. Well, um, at least it's for a noble cause. Uh, that's the idea. That's the hope. That's what makes it worth it. <laughs> the whole point of being a father, or the whole point of life, is being noble. Uh, I was gonna say just being being a parent, but the life thing sounds good too. Russell and John tell stories. Russell and John tell lies. They use their mouths and they use their ears. And- Uh, what are we talking about today? Today, uh, well... Do you have a list? We should begin by me making a correction Uh-oh. for last week's show. Uh-oh. What did you do? What did you do wrong? Well, the um, one of the biggest perceived giveaways that my, that my story was a lie was me bumbling the age <laughs> of which... <laughs> the real world situation happens. But I went back and I tried to figure it out. And I think that I was 13 and I was not 11. Uh, <laughs> all right. So for the records, I mean, not that it mattered because the story was a lie anyway. So, yeah. <sighs> but I kind of shot myself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your story was still made up, but you got one of the details wrong. The story was a lie, but one of... The lies. I mean, the entire story was was based on a real thing that happened. Right. Do you think we should go back and just re-record that whole episode and re-upload it? I think we should. Yeah. Okay. Are we gonna do that today? Is that what we're doing right now? Yeah. Like by the time this podcast uh, gets popular and the new crowd goes back and listens to all of the prior episodes from episode one in order, then it would be good to have the real uh, <laughs> the real version of that episode in the feed for them. Can we can we can we re-record every episode? I mean, I guess so. Well, I mean, this comes on to the next topic of listener complaints. But uh, <laughs> if we run if we run out of stories after maybe ten episodes, then I guess we should just go back and just redo them and redo those original ten episodes until they're good. We could just keep refine them over and over. That's that's great. If we do the first ten episodes ten times each. Then by the tenth iteration, I think we might have a hit podcast. So a hundred, a hundred uh, versions. Ten times ten. I mean, there will be ten versions of each episode. Yeah, so a hundred versions of one hundred episodes that you and I would record. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think they're going to go really quick because I'm already going to know whether or not they're lies. Uh, you think that by the time that we record episode ten, you can still remember episode one? Yeah, I doubt that. Let's try. But I don't think anyone else has ever uh, has ever attempted that in the history of podcasting. <laughs> it would be a first. It would be a first. And we're all about pushing boundaries. So, as I alluded to... Listener complaints. We had a lot of listener feedback, but all of that listener feedback was from a single listener. Right, yeah. It was a lot. Should we name the listener? He knows who he is. I mean, he knows who he is. Uh, I... Yeah, maybe we should not give out his name, but we should give out... His phone number? 
his home address and his social security number and phone <laughs> number. Why not? Uh, <clears throat> let's call him by name. Okay. His name's Alvaro. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wants... Alvaro, I'm sure he's listening right now. I'll paraphrase what he told me. He called me up. He was extremely uh, uh, excited to talk to me about this. And to be clear, the the sole purpose of his phone call to you was to talk about this podcast. Correct. Yes, I haven't I haven't spoken to him on the phone in like a year. Right. And he didn't just call you up about um, like a work related thing or like how is your and how is your family? No. How are your multiple illnesses? And then he just tacked this onto the end. The entire point was this. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, so, so basically he doesn't like the podcast and he thinks that to improve it, uh, you and I should both leave the podcast and he should take over and there'd be no stories that are lies. Right. That's how I've interpreted his feedback. So, right. So it would be Alvaro's big old podcast. Yep. And it would be him telling stories about him or about us. I, I would like it better if it were stories about us, but probably just about his own life. I think, I think. Right, like based on the rest of his feedback, I think he would want it to be all about him. Yeah, it's like, get your stories out of my way. I've got my own stories. And then our podcast would just uh, would stop existing. Uh, no, it would, it would exist. It would just be his. Right, right, right. So uh, is, uh, is he just under the illusion that there is a small and fixed number of podcasts that can exist in the world? <laughs> and in order to start his, he has to get um, another one out. And he's identified ours as being the... The lowest ranking podcast currently available? I don't know if it's the lowest ranking. I think it's more like the most attainable. Right, because he knows us. Or he knows you. Um, I've met this person a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I'm aware of who who he is. Right. Uh, he seemed like a very nice person when I met him, but clearly not. I mean, clearly he was pretending to be nice. So that in the future, if you had a podcast, you could take it over. Yeah. And then, well, his, uh, his more specific feedback for why... Uh, for why this uh, uh, this podcast was not good was that uh, I think, as you told me, number one, nobody likes lies. Uh, true. Do you like lies? Was he just moralizing at this point, or was he? He may have been. He may have been. I mean, when you think about it, since since I'm the only one who's told true stories consistently, and you've thrown in a bunch of lies, it's really a sort of subversive way to say nobody likes Russell. Right. He, uh, yeah, he did not, he did not call me out by name, but he was effectively. We knew who he was talking about. Right. And the person was Russell. Yes. Which is my name. Right. <laughs> and even though there are many people who are named Russell in the world, there are only two people on this podcast and only one of them is named Russell. Currently. Yes. So clearly he was talking about me. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, it is true that. There have only been two attempts to lie on the broadcasted episode so far, and they both have been me, and I have been called out on both of them. <laughs> Were you, oh, I caught you on both of them? I think so, yeah. There was the, uh, the me working on a construction site, <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and uh, the me being arrested for stabbing somebody. <laughs> when you summarize... When you when you summarize them like that, they sound completely implausible. Knowing you, knowing you as I know you, I mean, looking back, neither of those sound sound possible, <laughs> right? But uh, but on the flip side, I've told many true stories that you have thought were false, uh, and your basis for that reasoning was because you did not think that I was capable of doing those things. 
I don't think you're capable of doing much. So it makes sense that I would assume everything you say is a lie. When I, when I think that they're two stories, I'm really just condescending to you. Yes. I, uh, um, I took that on board. I internalized it. And I felt worse all week. Great. I guess, I guess we should talk about, are we going to uh, give Alvaro the podcast? Oh, well, uh, well let's just go through uh, the rest of his feedback first. Oh, was there more, really? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. Okay. Um, I mean, firstly, I, uh, my, um, I felt like my approach to lying, which was to take a story that was true and then just embellish it or change it in some way that turned it into a lie, but then had a topic that we could then talk about afterwards was uh, an extremely interesting approach. It's it's super interesting, but nobody else agrees. Uh, his his second point, as told by you, was uh, he accused us that we would run out of stories very soon. He did. He did say he didn't think that we had, I think, interesting enough stories to last long enough. <laughs> which is which is a way of saying that in the previous five episodes, that the stories were barely interesting at best. Sounds like it, yeah. So things are going to carry on. Like, unless you guys are saving the best ones for later, which uh, we're clearly not, then it's just going to... It's a slippery slope down to uh, a very poor quality podcast. Yeah, it is. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate that he cares about us and he's concerned about us enough to call and let us know. Yeah, well, I mean, I could go either way on that. Um, yeah. Point three and his final point, I think... Uh, was that I'm amazed, I'm amazed that you remember more of his feedback than I do, <laughs> given that I was the one who had the phone call with him. My little dig at you earlier about if we recorded the first 10 episodes 10 times, would you even remember the first episode was based on your complete lack of memory for almost everything that we have a shared memory of. It's fair, yeah. Um, so point three was uh, he thought that we should have guests. Yeah, he did think that. Which I guess is when he pivoted to... Or maybe I should just take over the entire show. I think his idea is that he would be uh, the guest, the only guest, <laughs> and the host. Right, right. Yeah. So um, it would be a a guest-based podcast, but without hosts. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and just one one long-term single guest. Uh-huh. And the, the same guest every week. Right. right. Um, would he be recording this and doing uh, the distribution, or would... <laughs> Uh, would he just send me the the raw the raw audio and still expect me to mix it and upload it? Yeah, I, I imagine that you would still be doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> right. Well, um, I've reviewed the evidence and uh, I'm down to just agree with his his hot take. All right, Alvaro, it's yours. Yep. Yeah, just send us over the uh, uh, the first audio and next week's <laughs> next week's or next uh, whenever's. Uh, podcast will be the big old Alvaro show. We're going to have to re-record the uh, theme song to put Alvaro's name in and to replace ours. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's going to be another $5 that you spend. <laughs> can, you, can you do that for this episode? Can you just put, <laughs> put in <laughs> his name? <laughs> okay. I'll see what I can Great. do. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, cut. Alvaro. Tell stories. Alvaro Tell lies Keys and mouths and Keys ears And usually no one cries uh, What else have you been up to this week, John? Uh, nothing much, nothing, nothing at all Would you say 
that you are a morning person or an evening person? Morning person. I woke up at 4.30 yesterday. Wow. Have you always been a morning person or is this another side effect of fatherhood? I used to be, no, I'm up before anybody else. I used to be a night person. I used to stay up all night uh, and then go to bed at like 6 a.m. Right. Uh, were you were you clubbing? Were you out with friends or you just sat alone in a room? No, sitting, sitting alone, horribly depressed. Uh, and then, which is a great thing to do if you're depressed, stay up all night when there's no one to talk to. It's a great idea. Uh, right. It's the best time for feeling sad. Totally. Then I moved to Boston. When I got to Boston, I started waking up early. I don't really know why. I think I think because I lived in a small apartment next to an intersection where like gigantic trucks would stop and they had super loud breaks. But I discovered that I actually liked the morning. I was really productive in the morning. So uh, ever since then, I've been a morning person. I don't sleep. Even the weekends, I don't sleep in. I don't know how my body stopped doing it. Uh, so morning person. Why are you asking me this? <laughs> Um, again, it's a uh, um, it's a topic that will stimulate conversation <laughs> in order to be recorded and then put out as a podcast. I don't feel stimulated, right? Um, well, <laughs> as for me, hey Russell, uh huh, are you a morning person? <clears throat> well, John, I I'd love uh, to know. I never was actually. Oh, um, interesting. <laughs> tell me more. I like <laughs> I like how uh, you uh, you get to answer the questions first. Um, <laughs> Um, and while the focus is on you, then you feel good about the topic. And then as soon as you realize that I have to answer to, <laughs> then you claim that the topic is bad. Well, I just expect it's going to be a lie. Oh, a lie. Okay. Well, right. So I'm immediately uninterested. I, well, John, uh, I would have classed myself as an evening person in the past when, when my wife and I lived out in a forest, largely um, in isolation, then I um, I would often stay up until the wee hours, and then I would get up, uh, you know, uh, between eight and ten. Uh, and when I worked from home, I would would just roll up to my desk, still in my uh, my patterned pajamas, and get to work. Nice. When I started having an office outside of the house in Los Angeles, then yeah, like the same, I, I would be up late, um, and I would just get up and just um, and just leave the house immediately. Uh, but then my wife, uh, she started a job where she had to be up early. Okay. So, uh, so she wakes up about six and, and initially, um, I would wake up and then just try and go back to sleep and it was kind of terrible. And then why does her having to get up early affect you? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I'm against your beliefs. We, uh, we don't sleep in separate rooms. <laughs> 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 I, no, I thought it was the same room, just separate beds. You have beds right. with your names on them, right? Yes, yes, there's beds with our names on them and uh, a wall of books on the floor between them. Nice. Is it all Bibles? Um, it's all Bibles on my side. <laughs> no funny business, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, does your wife listen to this? She doesn't, does she? I. Uh, she never tells me if she does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yeah, so very quickly, then I started adjusting my time. And now I get up at six, normally a few minutes before her. Interesting. Um, but I don't leave the house until about eight. Um, then I go to the office. It takes you two hours to get out of the house? Yeah, but this is my new thing is slow mornings. Okay. And it's a big change for me. I mean, I don't have any kids, so there's no, uh, 
Uh, there's no real tasks uh, that I have to do in the morning beyond my own my own selfish needs. Um, right. But yeah, but I get up, I make my breakfast, I shower, I sit in a, um, in a chair, I read the news, I, um, I prepare my day. But it's a very different change from the old me, which was just, was like get up, shower, leave the house without, uh, without breakfast or do anything. But I really like the, uh, yeah, the getting up early and the taking it slow. It's nice. Uh, well, um, it's great that I got that off my chest. You feel better? I feel better. Um, I feel like we bond with uh, we bond more with every small minor detail that I give up about my life. Uh, that you give up, you feel like you're giving it up. I mean, it was a very personal fact that I'm now sharing with you and the and uh, Alvaro. I know. <laughs> I now know that I can call you at six a.m. and if you don't answer, you're ignoring me. Right. I mean, we do often text early in the morning. True. And I realize that you're up doing uh, child-related tasks, and I'm just. I'm not. She doesn't wake up till like seven thirty or eight. Oh wow! So you get up for uh, for Johnny's slow morning too? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, whose turn is it first this week? I guess it's me. Uh, <laughs> sure, it's your turn. I was once prosecuted for not paying my taxes. When you say prosecuted, do you mean arrested or just like fined? I was fined, but a county court judgment was taken out against me. Okay. I was not like sent to prison or jail, um, but I was fined and I had a county court judgment on my record. How old were you? Were you 13? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was 21 or 23. Um, no, I was. <laughs> wait. Actually, maybe I was. <laughs> uh, I was. I was twenty-two and or twenty-three. Okay, so so you did not file your taxes the same way that we filed taxes here in the U.S. This was in the U.K. You did not file your taxes, or you did not pay your taxes, or what happened? Yeah, well, um, it is different in the U.K. in that uh, most people do not have to uh, do not have to file any taxes. If you earn below a certain amount and you just have um, a job where you are taxed at source, then you don't have to file taxes. Sure. And so what did you neglect to do again? Um, I did not pay the taxes that they thought that I had owed. Well, I, uh, um, I did not file a tax return that they thought that I should have filed. So you earned a sum above this threshold of not needing to file? No, the sum was below, but they thought for other reasons that I should have been filing a tax return. And then when I did not, then they imposed fines on me and I did not pay those fines. And then they eventually took out a CCJ, a county court judgment against me. And then what did that entail? Do you have to go to court? Um, well, um, I didn't know about any of this. <laughs> okay. Um, so I only found out about it some uh, some time after this had happened. How did you find out? Um, I found out about it when um, I eventually got a letter from the the Inland Revenue, the tax office, the equivalent of, uh, of the IRS. And the letter said, what, you owe us this much money? No, it just talked about, uh, in historic terms, about how a county court judgment had been taken out um, against me and they had won and now it was on my record. 
And was there was there any sort of penalty? Yeah, well, um, I think the county court judgment had um, had written off the penalty, maybe, um, because I hadn't paid the penalty um, in so long that they considered it lost. So what happened is the government was confused. They thought that you should have filed some some paperwork for your taxes. You didn't do it. They took out a judgment against you, fined you. You never learned about any of this until it was too late, so nothing actually happened to you. Well, the uh, the county court judgment uh, was on my record, so I had uh, like my uh, whatever it is, like on a police record, or and how would that affect you? Like, if you wanted to get a job somewhere, yeah, it would be hard to get like credit or to get a job. Um, I mean, bearing in mind that this was a couple of years before I fled the UK, right? Did you? Is, that, is this why you left the UK? Uh, it's no, it's not. Um, I eventually got the county court judgment removed from my record, I think. But I never had to do anything in the UK that uh, that may have been affected by this thing on my record. Because I left when I was 25 and I only ever had that one job. So if I had tried to get a different job, I had tried to get a mortgage or a home loan or some other credit thing, uh, then maybe I would have run into problems. This all started, um, are you interested in the mistake, how the mistake happens. I'm not, but I think that I think that Alvaro is. <laughs> um, I can tell already that this is one of his favorite stories. <laughs> he loves anything involving uh, bureaucracy, administration, and paperwork in general. He does, yeah. Um, well, uh, it turned out when I eventually got to the bottom of this. It turns out that in the first year of university in 1997, uh, when I was 18, um, I had set up a very basic website that claimed that I did web design for clients. Right. Um, but it was all a lie. Uh, the intention wasn't a lie, but I never, um, <laughs> I never had a client. Got it. Okay. And it was never a thing. And I was probably just doing it to experiment with making a website as people did back then and apparently what had happened was that um, at that point in time the uk government would would scour the internet for people who claimed to live in the uk and be self-employed and were not registered as being self-employed got it and would then just automatically register them i would register them as being self-employed and so uh, they had done that to me which, which then required me to file a yearly tax return. Even if my earnings from that job were zero, then I should have still filed one. Um, like they never notified me. And I lived in that, in that house for like uh, for three years. And then I moved uh, from Cardiff to Bristol. And they never updated my address, even though I had told them that I had moved each time. And then they eventually, uh, they sent a... Uh, a bailiff or a claims officer to my previous address uh -huh. uh, to try and get the money from me at some point. And then according to their records that I eventually saw, um, it said that, uh, that nobody was home. So they knocked on a neighbor's door and asked them if a man named uh, Russell Quinn had ever lived there and they said yes. And did, and did they ask if he ever tried to design a website? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they said, like, did, uh, was he 
I'm a self-employed web designer. I mean, this neighbor who I had maybe met once uh, said, yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, that was all the evidence that it took. And then, uh, yeah, like they took me to court. I like the court notice went to uh, the old address. And so I never got it. And then um, I did not show up in court. And then I was prosecuted. Okay, so some of the details that you're giving me sound pretty genuine. Your responses to them sound genuine. But... This is all predicated on the idea that your search engine optimization was good enough that they could find your website. Right. I mean, what would they have searched for? Uh, right. Self-employed young man, UK. <laughs> uh, hold on. Let me let me just Google that right now and see if your website turns up. Um, I feel I feel like this is a lie. Well, before I tell you which of it sounds boring enough to be true. But like it sounds so mundane. It sounds like the kind of thing that would happen. But I think the idea that they're scouring the internet looking for people who might just owe money seems a little implausible to me. Mm -hmm. Well, it is true. Okay. And that fact is true. Um, yeah. So like eventually when I found out that I had this judgment on my record, then it took about... Uh, a year to get it taken off and to get it resolved, but it, um, but I eventually submitted like a freedom of um, of information uh, request and got all of my files from the Inland Revenues uh, computer system, and yeah, like the paper, uh, like the paper trail or like the trail of notes, and it revealed that it was someone's uh, was someone's job, either like officially or just right. uh, yeah, like that's what they did to. I like to go around the internet and to try and find people who, um, who were self-employed. Do you like Do you like the idea that there is a man coming to your house looking for you? Like there is a guy out there who was searching for you. That was his job was to search for Russell. Right. Yeah. I mean, they sent a bailiff out. Uh, they were knocking on my door. They were. Yeah. I was. Uh, um, I was wanted. Like I lived this uh, this alternative life uh, for five years when they could not find me. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, I mean, like the UK is a a small country uh, compared to uh, the US, and so there's only so many places to look for you. There are, yeah, yeah, there's five places. <laughs> I mean, back in 1997, uh, there were 15 websites in the UK, uh, so it was pretty easy to mm. uh, to check them out to see if anyone was uh, was a self employed web designer. Yeah, um, yeah, and there were even less places to hide. But yeah, um, like the tax system in the UK is like very like integrated. As I said, like you often don't even have to file um, a return because they have all of the information. And I had notified them that I had moved, and my employer had told them uh, when they were paying uh, were paying the taxes at source. So yeah, um, like eventually, I could prove that they uh, that they were at fault because they. Um, had neglected to update my address or make any real effort to find me, even though they uh, they sent out bailiffs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so they were like it was like a half-hearted search for you. Yeah, but like when I finally got my uh, the records from my account on the computer, then it had um, like a screenshot of this website that I had made from 1997. Right. With like looks looks like web designer question mark. I would. Do you still have that screenshot? Um, I don't, but I did. I was telling the story to somebody else a couple of years ago of uh, a, um, a scintillating dinner party when we were all just telling our old text-related stories. Did you get punched at this dinner party? And I, <laughs> right, it was it was a New Year's Eve up in Liverpool. 
and it was going great. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Um, but I used the uh, uh, the Wayback Machine or the Internet Archive, as I think it's called now. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it did. They still call it the Wayback Machine. Um, I think the official name is the Internet Archive, but there's still the Wayback Machine logo on it. And I could find a version of that website from that year. Yeah. Interesting. I think that you should include that. We should include that in this podcast. I know it's an audio podcast, but still. Print it out and then hold it up to the microphone. Um, I could describe it like pixel by pixel. Yeah. Uh, just go through and give out the, uh, the color values for each pixel. It was a, I mean, the resolutions back then were very low, so it'll be easy. Uh, the name of my uh, my fictitious web design company was it was named Silver Web Design. Silver or sil- Silva? Silver. Silver. Okay. As in the color and the metal, and mm. I think the URL was silverwebdesign.co.uk. You should see if that's still available. I will. Uh, I think the last time I looked, it was being squatted. Oh, that's a good one. Someone right. got someone right. got a deal on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably the um, the tax authorities. Yeah, probably. Are just, uh, yeah, they're just waiting for when I return to the UK and I'm gonna fire up my old biz. Do you think the the bailiff who came looking for you maybe secretly wanted you to hire him as a designer? <laughs> right. Oh, to hire him or just to get a website made? Oh, either way. Right. Like maybe his, he there was more to it than just wanting to find you. He wanted like. He was in it for himself. Yeah. Um, who knows what his intentions were? I mean, I mean, it does seem like there should be a provision in the the justice uh, system that and it requires some proof that the person who is being prosecuted knows that it's happening. I think if we want to improve this podcast, the guests should be the people from the stories. Like you should track down that bailiff. Oh, yeah. And the neighbor. And then they could recreate their conversation. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I assume uh, that the neighbor, uh, the neighbor saying, yes, he is a freelance web designer, definitely. And I will swear on that in a court of law. I <laughs> uh, was just was just based on the fact that I looked nerdy. Yeah. In 1997, like anyone. It was clear. Who was that nerdy was into computers somehow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. Well, looks like I won that one. <laughs> uh, how did you win? <laughs> the same way you win every time. Oh, I mean, I didn't say that I won. I said that I gave myself half a point. <laughs> okay, I'll give myself two thirds of a point for that. <laughs> Great. <sighs> um, <clears throat> okay, are you ready for my story? Yep, we all are. Alvaro and me are uh, me, on tenterhooks. Let me find it while this helicopter flies over. Um, okay, are you ready? Mm hmm. I used to earn my entire living selling bootleg CDs on eBay. Okay. Your entire living. My entire living. And there was one month that I did such a good job that I was able to help, help my brother pay his rent. <laughs> but we lived, we lived together, to be clear. Okay. So you paid the whole rent for your, your tiny studio apartment? It was a, a two-bedroom. Uh, did you have two beds in the same room that were separated by a wall of books on the floor with your half-being Bibles? We did, yeah. And then the other bedroom we just left empty. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's no need to be lonely. Exactly. Uh, you were lonely enough anyway when you were just sitting in, in a chair by yourself and, until, Seriously. until four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I guess the, the most pertinent question is how long did you earn your entire income for? I mean, if this was just, I was one month then, sure. But sure. Uh, I don't remember exactly. It was, it was several months. Let's say, let's say like six months or something like that. So for half a year, you could, you were not living off savings either. Like, 
Correct. Your income matched or exceeded your your outgoings for those six months. Correct. Yeah. Well, well, uh, well. Firstly, congrats. <laughs> it was a different time back then when <laughs> it was there was still money to be made on the internet. Yeah. And were you trying to get other work, and Anakin just couldn't, and it just happened that this worked out? Or like a month in, like you made like enough money and you were like, well, I guess this is it. This is great. I had, <clears throat> I had uh, signed up with a temp agency. Mm-hmm. So they would offer me temp jobs, but they'd call me and they'd say, hey, do you want this job? And then I'd say to myself, I'd say, I don't really need to take this job. I'm going to just say no to it. Right. So uh, no job had come in that was offering you more money than you were making from this lucrative CD selling business. Um, they were temp jobs. So, you know. Uh, they weren't really super lucrative. Uh, I don't really remember offhand what the pay was. What was the the last temp job that you did before the CD selling business took off? Um, I think I was like a like a receptionist at like a hospital office or something, maybe. Mm-hmm. And did you enjoy that? No, it wasn't bad. It was fine. I'm trying to glean if you were looking for a way out of the temp world. And the CD selling business was no. Your- I mean, I, I hadn't tempt very much. I just sort of fell into this. Right. The the, the temp, signing with the temp agency was sort of a uh, an effort to be you know more legal in my uh, earnings. Wait, the CD selling business was not legal. You were not paying taxes. They they were they were bootleg CDs I was selling on eBay. Oh, right. So, uh, well, tell me about how you ended up selling the. The first CD, um, or how how you acquired and sold the first bootleg CD. It was, uh, you know, I don't really remember exactly how it happened. I think I think I had because the CDs were like compilation CDs of rare and hard to find stuff uh, that I made for myself. And then one day, I think I was like, I wonder if I could put this on eBay. And then I did, and it sold really well. And then I started doing that with more and more. And then I just found out that there was a huge market for it. So are you telling me that you had made? Um, enough mix CDs for for potential lovers that were rejected that you just had them stacking up. <laughs> uh, not lovers, plural, just one one single <laughs> right. lover. I would I would mail them to her, and she would just mail it back right every time. Yep. Yeah, she was happy to pay the postage. Yeah, like she wouldn't even just mark return to sender. She would literally just like put it in like a new envelope. Not even open it. She wanted it gone, go, gone as fast as possible, right. so she would overnight it. Right. Well. <laughs> right. So you had um, had amassed um, hundred, two hundred of these uh, rejected mix CDs, and then you were like, "Well, I've got to do something with them. Maybe uh, there's someone else that also needs to fail in life." <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I didn't have a stack of them. It was like I, I, you know, they're mix CDs. You could just burn them as as a. Oh, of course, right, right. You so know? you, yeah, like you kept the playlists and the uh, the folders of MP3s on your on your computer, yeah, uh, just right there on your desktop. Yeah, maybe it'll work this time. Yeah, and then you could just burn them out. Okay, uh, yeah. So, and how many were you selling? How many did you sell when you realized that this could be a short term business? Uh, I think it's when I started selling them. It's not that the quantity was so large; it was that they were going for really high rates or high oh. uh, fees or whatever, because um, they were they were rare stuff, stuff that you couldn't find anywhere else. 
So people wanted to pay a lot for them. So I, I had like, <clears throat> I had a three CD set of Susie and the Banshee stuff that would sell for over a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a one CD of Iris Dement, uh, and her stuff would go for over a hundred. And these were things that you had got on, like on CD or vinyl or tape from somewhere uh, through your your hard legwork of finding them, and then you would just copy them. Some of them were things that I'd bought, like if there was a you know a rare a rare CD or something, and it had one track on it, I might buy that. But then mm-hmm. some of them I'd find online and download them. Oh, so you were also just like exploiting that period of time when, uh, where there were some people uh, that could use Napster and there were some people that could not, but they could use Correct. eBay. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, that's Johnny's market. The the, uh, <laughs> the non the non Napster using eBay compulsive purchases. <laughs> wow. I um, meant to get back to the question of taxes. <laughs> uh, were you declaring this income? <laughs> no, I was not. Oh my god! I, I was. I was not filing. I was not filing. I didn't start filing taxes until I was thirty-two. Uh, I don't know. That's yeah. It's amazing that um, that love me up there in the county court. <laughs> Never done a thing wrong. Whereas bootlegging non-tax-paying Johnny. Um, what was your username on eBay? Oh, I have no idea. Mmm. It, it sounded very believable up until that point. <laughs> this was years ago. I don't remember. Uh, can you remember if you were using uh, your real name or some funny XXX69 underscore thing? That's what you think is funny? I was making big air quotes, which does not translate well over the the audio format. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, no, I did not use my real name. Of course not. Um, but you have just... Um, admitted to bootlegging and tax evasion on this podcast. Hmm. 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 Um, well, uh, it does seem the parts. It does seem true. The part about like you making all of these mixed CDs for lovers that got rejected seems extremely plausible. It does, doesn't it? That's the one bit which uh, which I can really get behind. The fact of you becoming a small businessman. Running your own, hmm. Uh, well, you did. Uh, you did self-publish that book mm-hmm. a short while back, and you mailed them all out. So that was clearly based on some assumption that you could, uh, could navigate the postal system. True. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and you. Well, uh, were these CDs of MP3s that had to be played back on a computer, or were they? Did you convert them into? audio files so it was just a basic audio cd that was played back on a home stereo yeah it was just a cd that you just play on your stereo and what was the software that you used to burn these cds i don't know could you do it <laughs> do it through itunes probably itunes hmm. yeah i mean i'm just you know uh, i'm trying to um <laughs> i'm probing the evidence that's smart i like it when uh, you probe stuff right <clears throat> um again this seems Boring and mundane. <laughs> That's my story. I feel like we're. Um, I feel like we're really making a point to uh, Alvaro that uh, he claimed that the true stories were in general uh, were kind of exciting, but the lies were just awful. I know, last, last week I was watching a guy chop up dead bodies, and this week I'm just downloading MP3s. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and possibly using iTunes or some other burning <laughs> software. 
to then sell them. Um, how, uh, um, how much money were you making on these things? Uh, well, I told you the two, two already that each sold for over a hundred. Right. Um, and then there were others that would sell for not as much, but still, still a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was making, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month. I would guess. Yeah. Um, and because you weren't paying any taxes, then it was, <laughs> um, it was effectively more. Yep. Um, and the time that you paid your half of your brother's rent, was that just, oh, was that because he was that hard was up? Me, that, that was just me showing off. That right. I yeah. So much more wealthy than him. No, he was, I think he had trouble making rent that month and he asked me if I could help out. Right. So like you were over on, I mean, like your half of your shared room with uh, uh, your champagne, your caviar. Yep. All of the all of life's luxuries, and he yeah. was uh, he was barely scraping by. Just he would just he would just sit in his half of the room and stare at me and everything that I had, and just you know grow jealous. Did he um, ever try to figure out how to burn CDs on iTunes? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like he missed the trick here. Yeah, he really missed. He had an actual job, I think. Oh, right. Uh, but for whatever reason, he you know he was careless with his money, so. Uh, he also had to pay taxes on his money, so true. Yeah, his earnings were like twenty percent less than yours. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, it does. I do like uh, the mirrored morals of this, in that you commit crimes, <laughs> no punishment. You you don't commit crimes, the system screws you. Oh, that feels good. So for that, uh, for that reason, <laughs> I hope that this is true. Well, I know the hope is true. What, what do you want And following on from my, my hopes, <laughs> I'm going to say I think that this is true. It is true, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so one, one interesting thing is that my brother worked in the mail room oh. at, a, at a, large, <laughs> a large consulting firm. Uh -huh. And <clears throat> he was able to take the CDs. I would package them. Or no, I don't think I even packaged them. I think I just put addresses with them. He would... He would take everything to the mailroom and ship it out free of charge to me. Well, firstly, I mean, now makes much more sense why you were paying his half of the rent. <laughs> you should have been paying him, him like 50% of all of this, um, I think. Yeah. And how far does this go? The crimes run deep. <laughs> there, are, there are multiple accounts now. Well, there was one of the neighbors found out about it, and we had to uh, <clears throat> just sort of tie him up in the spare room for a little while until everything blew over. Uh, now it's mirrored in the fact that a um, uh, that a neighbor was involved. <laughs> why? Why would a neighbor? I mean, neighbors these days care about uh, like illegal Airbnbs and things. But why would a neighbor care about? No, that part was a lie. I was oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. That was fun. That was the high point of the episode. I was on a real rush, <laughs> and then you just cut me down. Yeah, I'm sorry. <sighs> so there you have it. Well, um. I realized one thing we forgot about this episode that we should include next episode is uh, Radio Russell. Oh, Radio Russell. You keep bringing it up and I keep on deflecting it. Do you not want to do it? I can find <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah, it sounds amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. So you want an audio segment. Yeah, well. I, I think we shouldn't say what it is. We should just, we can talk about it next episode. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I do, for the sake, to give some more information to our dear listeners, um, this is not my my first audio broadcasting experience. No, not at all. I've been in the business for quite some years. <laughs> uh, do you think you're going to get another phone call this week? Uh, yeah, it'll be creepy if it comes right after we, we end our call. Right. Yeah. 
I'm just live streaming. There is a special, um, a special level on our non-existence uh, Patreon where you can, you can listen in to the live stream of this. Yeah, it's just your open window. It's just my open window, um, and you talking about all of the things that you then asked me to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot this episode. I'd like you to cut out your entire story. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's it. Okay. Bye. Alvaro, I love Are you saying that you're better than me? <laughs>